Good morning to everybody. And what a great reminder we have this morning that God is faithful. I mean, we're thankful to Brother Kazi and Sister Abby bringing news from afar, right? Of, of God's faithfulness through the years. And um, it makes me think back to the different seasons of my life and the different ways that God has worked. Where was I 15 years ago? This guy didn't even exist yet. And Diane and I had been married a few years at that point. And I was uh, here in Florida finding my footing, you know, um, after being uh, in West Virginia for my whole life. And so it felt unfamiliar. But right when I got here, I was thankful to be brought into a community of believers who encouraged me in my faith. Uh, we walked together. We were doing life together, the life of faith. And so I'm grateful for that. Um, I just had a quick word from Hebrews 4. Not necessarily related to that idea, but it's really around this thought of rest. Because there's a, I don't know what you want to call it, a paradox or an irony to the Christian life that we are extremely busy as believers, and yet at the same time we are to be extremely restful as believers. And this is a paradox that the world can't understand. And that if we let ourselves get sucked into worldly thinking, we too will not be able to understand it. How can we both be, on the one hand, working really hard, and at the same time, resting? Those two things don't seem to go together. But for the believer, they do go together. That for us, to work is to rest. The work of the believer is to enjoy the rest that's been provided by the Lord Jesus. Um, we see a little bit of this in Hebrews 4, and I feel a little bit like Norris. I would like to have a little more time to maybe put these thoughts together. But I just thought the, the Lord laid these on my heart as we were singing, and I wanted to just share a few thoughts around Hebrews chapter 4. Read the whole chapter. He had just quoted in chapter 3, from a passage that the writer of Hebrews spends a lot of time unpacking in this book. This is where he says back in Hebrews 3, uh, 7 to 11, where he speaks about not hardening your hearts. And in verse 11 he says, I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. You know, this whole idea is very much on the mind of the biblical writers. This idea that although the Lord had brought the people out of Egypt, they, in their unfaithfulness to Him, died in the wilderness. And that it was to their children that uh, the Lord promised that they would enter the rest. This idea, you could tell, was maybe troubling to the the heart of many of the biblical writers, trying to understand what does this all mean? Um, 
And I think that for the writer of Hebrews, it all points to the Lord Jesus. It all points to Him. Just like everything in the Old Testament, it all speaks of Him. And so he says in verse 1 of chapter 4, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering His rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the Gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. As he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter it because of disobedience, again he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time, as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. And I'd like to read these other two passages that are so familiar to us, but sometimes we don't realize what the context is for these This is where they fit. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need as we enter the rest. You know, I'm really struck this morning by the, the way the writer of Hebrews weaves together all these scriptures. He goes all the way back to the beginning where God Himself ceased from His work in resting on the Sabbath. And then he moves forward to speaking of the promised land as a promised rest. And then finally, he's speaking now to these believers who were somewhat in confusion, drifting back into legalism, drifting back toward the idea that they had to somehow work, work, work for the favor of God 
And he told them, that's not the answer. Jesus is our Joshua who has led us into the promised rest. Jesus is the Sabbath. He literally is the ceasing from work. He is our promised rest. And so this morning, you and I have the joy and the privilege of remembering Him. Remembering what He accomplished so that we could have that Sabbath rest. So that we could enter into that promised land of rest. A land where we were reaping harvests that we didn't plant. If you remember, that was, that's what Moses told them. You're going to drink from wells that you didn't dig. And you're going to be eating a harvest that you didn't plant. Someone else did the work. And you're reaping the benefits. This is the promise of the Christian life. But the, the reason I said it was a paradox is because the writer to the Hebrews keeps saying things like, be sure you enter that rest. Be diligent to enter that rest. He says in verse 11, therefore, be diligent to enter that rest. There is this diligence that comes. I don't even know how to explain it. It's like work hard at resting in the Lord Jesus. Because it does require work. We are constantly being tempted back towards resting in our own merit, resting in our own holiness, our own sanctification. God loves me more today because I'm here at the meeting than He did last week when I skipped because I was too tired. We have that way of thinking that we're always tempted to pull back into. And... That same line of thinking will cause us to look out at others and say, God loves me more than them because of what I've done. And it can cause a lack of compassion, can cause a lack of love toward those outside. Everything depends in the Christian walk on resting in what Jesus has done. That's why he says in verse 10, For he who entered his rest has Himself also ceased from His works as God did from His. We need that truth. We need to cease from our works and rest in the work, singular, of Christ. We need to cease from our works and rest in His work. And I really do believe that it requires effort to do that. I think that the way our minds work and the way our hearts work, we are constantly wanting to run back because it feels too easy. It feels too easy to just simply sit and rest and know I'm loved. To know there's nothing I could do to make God love me more than He already does. That there's nothing I could not do that would make God love me less than He does right now. I am His. I am resting in Him. Obviously, as we rest in Him, we begin not just walking, running to do those works that He's prepared for us. Right? 
And it can lead to physical tiredness. It can lead to feeling some fatigue. But it's very different from the kind of work, that frantic work, that human beings are always engaged in in order to prove themselves, in order to be someone, in order to convince themselves that they matter and that someone loves them, to earn the love of maybe a spouse or a a disapproving parent or uh, the, the community at large, to earn fame, to earn approval. That kind of work is not only exhausting, but futile. It ends in emptiness. For the believer, we may work hard. That may happen. But it's not to get God to love us. It's not to somehow assert our identity. Instead, it's working from rest. Laboring from rest. I was thinking of the lines of that hymn. Labor for and with the Lord brings exceeding great reward or something like that. That's that mystery of coming under the yoke of Christ and finding, because the yoke speaks of work, right? Those oxen, when they come under that yoke, it's time to get to work. They're not sitting in their stable at that point. No, there's something's happening. But as we come under that yoke, we find that His rest is there to meet us. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. So I just pray that this morning, you and I can enjoy uh, really resting in Christ, resting in Him alone, that as we walk forward, as we walk forward in all that He's laid out for us, we can do so not with a desperation or a frantic fear that we won't match up, we won't be enough for the task, but instead to know that He is enough and therefore He has guaranteed that we will be enough for all that He's called us to do. For His name's sake.